Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Shine football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm Susanna Collins alongside this crew, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros. We got Poppy Miller in with some headlines today. How was the weekend? Not bad. Not bad? Chill. Chill? Watched a lot of soccer? Rode my bike and rugby. I didn't know the Rugby World Cup started. Yeah. I'm had no sport. idea. I, I, I don't know that much. We'll see. I know just as much about rugby as Mbappé does. <laughs> We're gonna see. But I watched. Later on. Argentina played. When when you when you when somebody that has no idea about rugby knows that you played poorly, mm-hmm. that means that you played really poorly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I had an absolute phenomenal weekend. Heck, I love it. Coached three games: <laughs> one flag football, and two 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 matches for both your for your boys. Yeah. Record in, in your weekend then. Three, out of three games. For me, at this age, it, you could, I could care less about winning and losing. Of course, I'm competitive and you want to win, but for the kids, it's just about taking direction, trying to get them to have fun, learn the game. And they, they blew my mind because of, of how they were able to, to start playing and connecting passes. And, uh, it's Is it just, easy to curb your competitive edge? Because I've known in, in, you, in athletes, mm-hmm. from what I realized, you guys are like ultra, ultra competitive. Yeah, you just channel it in different ways. So it's not really curbing it. I just channel it into being the mo- the You're best cheerleader. Side of your car the, when like, watching. I try and be the best cheerleader I can be. Honestly, it's just like I want them to have so much fun and see how they can have fun while learning the game. Hmm. Have they uh, picked up a lot of dad's ability that you notice that they have natural talent? They do. They do. Yes. Okay. But you know, like, that, I feel like that as would be a, hard. As a father, <laughs> I try. I try not to put Maybe pressure. Maybe basketballs for you, kid. You know. <laughs> I try not to put pressure on them. I think that at the end of the day, I just want them to have fun. Yeah. They know that I was like, Dad, am I doing things right? They always look to me for mm. approval, and I want them to just. Ha- they after they make a play, they always look at me. Oh. I'm like, no, keep going. So You're doing cute. great. Oh, you're, um, you're, you're I want supportive? them to play. That's what I do during commercial breaks. I look at Charlie. Like, yeah. Am I doing okay? And then she looks at me and goes. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 
<laughs> to work. Alexis, how was your weekend? <laughs> it was great. Uh, I just I relaxed. Uh, my wife hurt her foot, so I was basically a human crutch, just helping her all around the apartment. So I couldn't go out. So I watched a lot of soccer this yeah. weekend. A lot. I watched so Faroe Islands versus Moldova. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You it's kind a barn of know. Burner. I kind of know. <laughs> I kind of know I shouldn't have watched Ferrari <laughs> versus Moldova. <laughs> wow. Aww. You think you think any major league soccer team, if you random pick of an MLS team against Faroe Islands, MLS would win handedly? Yeah. Everyone except uh, Toronto and Colorado. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. The disrespect. But also, yeah. Eh. And, and I think, I think, so disrespectful, but I think, uh, the, I think the Reds would draw them at the end. Oh, oh man. Um, well, we have to give a shout out to our producer, Mike Nastry, whose wife, Kim, is having a baby today. Yeah. So we're thinking of you. Your morning footy family loves you, and we love little baby boy Nastry already. So, uh, best of luck. Hasn't to, told to us them. the name, but I think it's Alexis. <laughs> oh, I heard whispers. It, it is Alexis. Yeah. A little Alexis Nash. Somehow, I just don't think Alexi, that's going to happen. Alexi. But you keep dreaming. You keep dreaming. Um, it could happen. All right, let's uh, let's chat about the the game that I know that we all had our eyes on this weekend. The U.S. men's national team faced Uzbekistan in a friendly in St. Louis at City Park, and uh, we're going to get to the highlights of this one. The scoring. Started pretty early for the U.S., courtesy of Timothy Weah. And what a brilliant touch from Weston McKinney to bring it down, yeah. bring all the defenders to him, suck, it, suck them in, and then lays it off perfectly into the path of Timothy Weah, who just rifles it. Yes, there was a deflection, but that was a beautiful goal to start the game. Now here's Brendan Aronson, who I looked at as the player that I was looking for. Gets a nice assist to Ricardo Pepe, who again, hey, you give him a chance, he scores. And again in stoppage time, there we go. Christian Pulisic. They putting this one away, U.S. get the 3-0 win against Uzbekistan. And uh, this was Greg Berhalter's uh, first game back in charge since we saw him um, in the World Cup. His second debut. His second debut, if you will. Um, and I think that obviously the win is, we'll call that a success. You always want to get the positive result, especially in these friendlies, mm -hmm. especially against a team like Uzbekistan. But um, for, for you guys, how would you rate this performance overall from the United States, Charlie? Well, the 3-0 scoreline is, is flattering because as the game went on in the first half, you started to see a, a drop-off in quality. <clears throat> and trust me, I've been there. You, you're playing a friendly against a team that doesn't really get your, your juice going, right? You're not playing against a Brazil or France or a Spain. So the, the level of excitement and intensity tends to sometimes not be there. It can, it can start a little bit slow, but they started actually pretty, pretty good in, a, in, a, in a, good, a good way, connecting passes, trying to break through the midfield. But then it started, you started to, to see a lack of, of creativity in the attacking third, a lack mm. of intensity. A lack they of dropped off. Of they were and missing something. The, the word like that I would use to, the word I would use to summarize this match would be uninspiring. Mm. And, and it, I was hoping I, I, it wouldn't come to that. Uninspiring, yeah. why? Because it lacked the dominance you would expect, USA playing against the 74th uh, you know, ranked team. Not, not so much the, the dominance as, as, as much as the, the speed, the, the, the being intensity. able to 
Try, di try different things. Mm -hmm. um, being able to get more players isolated 1v1, playing 1-2s, because Uzbekistan did a good job of being organized. Very good. Very, very good de defensively. Ali Janoff, the, the right uh, back, I thought, was phenomenal player. for Uzbekistan, getting up and down and, and challenging Christian Pulisic. Uh, I just thought that, that a number of those players played like it was the World Cup, and, and that's great. But in terms of watching the U.S. and seeing where they could build off of the Nations League semifinals and finals where they played phenomenal, mm -hmm. this was well below where they can play. There were a couple of performances from last cycle under Burhalter, especially leading into the World Cup, that it was lackluster, worrisome. We didn't really know where this team stood because there was really no punch because of the lack of dynamism, because of the lack of speed sometimes intensity in friendlies that weren't really worth much because they weren't being played for points. And in that performance against Uzbekistan, we saw some of those similar patterns that are a little bit worrisome. Mm -hmm. Again, like Charlie said, it's difficult to be locked in and be in that mentality where you got to have your best performance. Luca De La Torre coming out, I think that was when we started seeing a massive drop off in, in, in the rhythm of the United States. 100%. Mm -hmm. and, and to go off of what my man said here, no Gio Reyna, so you don't have that number 10. Right. And Gio Reyna, his starting position was so high, so Yunus Musa and Wes McKinney could yeah. drop low and be available why, why to build out of the that? midfield. So now that you have Luca Della Torre, who is essentially the same as Yunus Musa and Wes McKinney in terms of where they start. They like to drop deep right. and get on the ball. You had a big gap between Balogun and the midfield trio. That space was, uninha was, was uninhabited, and you didn't have that connectivity that you had in the Nations, Nations League semifinals and finals. So now you had one player trying to make a run into that space, two, and it made it much easier for Uzbekistan to defend. And give credit to Luka Delatore, who was making line-breaking runs. You know, you typically don't view Luka Delatore as being that type of player. At least maybe I don't. I see him more as a, a bit more defensive, a bit more box-to-box. -box. I, don't, I don't really picture him as the guy who can dynamically bring the ball forward and into space. He's more side-to-side. Side. Right. Once he comes out, who would you have put in in that situation? Because not to me, test it would have been Malik Tillman, <gasps> what we talked about before the game. And... and <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that no, no, Tyler yeah, Tesman had a performance. Don't put the camera that, on me. He said uh, it. No, he, it's, it's a forgetful performance. You don't want to end the 90 minutes and mm -hmm. have the performance that you had. He, maybe at one point he'll, he'll get his redemption. But with, with giveaways, with imprecision, and, and when one of your motors in the midfield, like Luca De La Torre, drops off, I don't think he added much to the game um, and and there were just moments you know not only from from the lack of speed the lack of intensity there were specific giveaways that just uh, I don't know that, that shouldn't be happening with, yeah, right there with the men's the game, national 26, team 26 seconds in Tim Ream couldn't connect that pass and, and I think Tim Ream also didn't have his best game with his distribution. Tanner Tessman, like you said, when he came in, a lot of giveaways, very lethargic. Right <sighs> Ali Janoff, again, he was the star of Uzbekistan getting up and down, putting in a shift, defending, he, scoring. He beat the keeper there. He beat uh, uh, Turner. 
That could have been a goal if that didn't go off the And uh, he had a crossbar. couple of other good opportunities, too. Yeah. Uzbekistan for sure should have scored. They deserved the goal in this game. Obviously, it's not about deserving, but they created enough arguments to score it. The balance wasn't right. Yeah, and Shemurdov, I hope yeah. I'm pronouncing that, Shemurdov, got in behind the line. As, you know, they, should have, they were looking to counter. Scored. There was two opportunities where he really should have scored. In, in a match like this against Uzbekistan, I, I get that they had opportunities, but you are willing to risk by putting numbers forward because you say they're not going to break us down or, or they're not, they don't have the speed to get in behind. So you're willing to take those matchups, those 1v1s, or sometimes in some cases it's 2v2, but the U.S. weren't good in those situations when they did leave them 1v1, yeah. 2v2 because they gave too many shots away. And to give Tanner Testament some credit, not exactly his role. His role isn't, you know, the distributor. So to be asked to do that in the middle of a match, probably not easy. Hopefully he gets another opportunity. Mm, I, I don't see. know. When you're brought onto the national team, you're expected to perform and fill out mm -hmm. certain duties that... Well, they'll have another chance on Tuesday. They will face Oman, so we'll, it will be interesting to see if Greg Berhalter makes any changes and what kind of lineup he puts oh, out for, for uh, that put, one. I, I just want we'll to see, see Malik Tillman in an attacking center midfield role because... Yeah, that, that's you, what it is. You, you, you need... The, 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 to build off of what was before, you yeah. need that 10. Yep. That was the evolution. Will it into existence, Chuck? We'll make I'm it willing happen. I'm willing to make a couple <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Uh, Poppy Miller is in the house. She's going to have some headlines for us when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Uh, as we mentioned, the Rugby World Cup just kicked off this weekend, and Kylian Mbappe was watching France take on <laughs> the All Blacks in uh, New Zealand, and it, it, it just appears he's a little confused. Maybe he's not as familiar yeah. with this sport. This is how my mother watches movies. When we laugh, she laughs. <laughs> she's like, I don't get it. But if they're laughing, I should also laugh. It was laugh. kind of adorable, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, uh. Oh, they're happy? Hey, I'm happy as well. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Good thing. Do you, like, do you watch rugby? I have seen it. Yeah. I don't watch it. You've seen it live? Uh, I've never seen it live. Um, that you don't coach a youth <laughs> rugby team as well? Did <laughs> you do everything else? I got into it a bit when I was living in England and then when I was in Australia because it's it's mm. massive and it's it's really fun. I mean, it's a fun it like it's a, a lot like American football. And so yeah. I, which I very much enjoy. Some, someone once told me that rugby is a savage sport for gentlemen and football is a gentleman's sport for savages. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's mm. deep. That's deep. Poppy Miller, are you into rugby? Because I know England. Mm. Well, Eng England, England Argentina. Is, is massive. Yeah. In England. Rugby is huge. Yes. But I, I'm not familiar. I feel like I would be like Mbappe if I'm like, is this like, good? Is that, really? Is this good? This is like, You've never been to Twickenham? I have actually. You know, I've actually played on Twickenham. I used to play tackle rugby when I was younger. Oh, no wow. way. Half time. And you played yeah. in Twickenham? We played at Twickenham at halftime of a rugby game. Were you a fly half? That's like I the have only no position idea. that I You just chase remember. each other around and like pull the tags off. Kind of like your flag. Is it flag, flag football? football. Who, yeah. was the, who was the kicker for England who was amazing? Johnny Wilkinson? Oh, yeah. He was like he a was national a hero. He was like the David Beckham. They wanted him. I remember NFL teams were trying to recruit him to come really? because 
because they they basically kind of kick field goals essentially. Right. And Johnny Wilkinson was like could not miss and helped England win. Well, the Rugby World Cup, I can't remember what year somebody, it was. But. Somebody in the NFL should have been watching the Argentina-England game from this weekend because England got a red card five minutes in and you lose a man just yeah. like you do in soccer. And England just kick field goals the entire time. Like They pumped it and kicked it. And well, penalties. that happened this weekend? They didn't score this weekend. Argentina lost to England by a lot. They didn't score a single try. It was just kicks. Kicks, Hold on, kicks. wait, Argentina lost to England? Yeah, they okay, did. Okay, now I watch There it. you go. Now <laughs> she's a big red It was... Ivis just told me 20 years ago what? that England won the Rugby World Cup right. in Australia. Hey, it's coming so home, maybe. Mine <laughs> came home. Difference, but hey, we'll take whatever we can get, anything, <laughs> as long as it comes home. I have got some headlines for you, though. Let's start with uh, Leo Messi that has made the trip to Bolivia with Argentina ahead of Tuesday's World Cup qualifier in La Paz, easing concerns about his injury status after he left Argentina's win against Ecuador before the final whistle. Argentina manager Lionel Scaloni confirmed yesterday that Messi would travel with the team, but he's waiting until today to make a decision on whether he'll play or rest him. Over in Spain, Luis Rubiales has finally stepped down for, from his role as president from the Spanish Football Federation, announcing his decision following weeks of criticism after kissing Spain's World Cup winner Jenny Hermoso after the World Cup final. The Spanish Federation confirmed that Rubiales has resigned both as president as well as UEFA vice president. His resignation comes a week after Hermoso find, filed a criminal complaint which led Spanish prosecutors to also file a case against him. And in England, Brazilian winger Anthony has agreed to a leave of absence from Manchester United in the wake of multiple abuse allegations made by three different women. Manchester United released a statement on Sunday saying Anthony would delay his return to training in order to address the allegations. He was released from Brazil's national team camp last week amid the allegations, including detailed accusations made by his ex-girlfriend. Anthony released the following statement, which reads in part, I want to reiterate my innocence of the things that I've been accused of. I will fully cooperate with the police to help them reach the truth. I look forward to returning to play as soon as possible. And in international coaching news, Hansi Flick has been fired as German national team manager. The dismissal comes a day after Germany lost 4-1 to Japan in an international friendly. Flick replaced Yogi Lowe following the 2021 European Championship and won his first eight matches in charge. But Germany have lost four of their last five after a disappointing group stage exit from last year's World Cup. Germany will host next year's European Championship. And in MLS news, Bruce Arena has resigned as head coach and sporting director of the New England Revolution, leaving the club six weeks after being placed on administrative leave amid allegations into investigations of inappropriate comments. MLS announced on Saturday that their investigation into Arena had, quote, confirmed certain aspects and clarified that Arena would have to petition to Commissioner Don Garber if he should pursue future employment. Arena issued a statement in conjunction with his resignation saying, quote, I know I've made some mistakes and moving forward, I plan to spend some time reflecting on the situation and taking corrective steps to address what has transpired. And while this hasn't been easy, I am confident that it's in the best interest of the New England Revolution organization and my family that we part ways at this time. Richie Williams will remain as interim head coach while Kurt Arnolfo will continue as interim sporting director. Charlie, you've got really close ties with the revolution. I mean, what can you tell us about this situation and the way that it's all transpired? What I can tell you is just from the facts, Bruce Arena 
since he's been gone, the revs have been trending in the wrong direction. And you look at the last two results, drawing at, at uh, Minnesota, I mean, they had the, the bat, they had the game in the bag, they had the three points. It was a poor game to begin with. Uh, I know you were there, Susanna. Mm -hmm. Just not great style from the Revs. And same with Austin. They had the game. Austin and Minnesota have not been good. They don't have a good style. And they concede um, at the end just because Christian McCoon tries a half field shot when the game, all he has to do is go to the corner to waste the time. Same with the New England Revolution. Could have wasted the time and Ben Sweat loses the ball, lets it skip out. And then all of a sudden there's a corner kick in Minnesota. Uh, uh, equalizes but I think when you look at the injuries you have Dylan Barrero ACL Gustavo Bowe's been injured Andrew Farrell Henry Kessler Brendan Bay. those are five starters you sell Jorge Petrovic to Chelsea uh, you just don't know where the revs are it's almost like they're in limbo they go from being one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference competing with Cincinnati to now Carlos Hill is is on an island hmm. and and you look at the leadership, and, and Bruce Arena was always that calming presence there. Now he's gone, and Richie Williams is on the sideline, and you, you just feel like... Feels like there's a little bit of a void right now. Yeah. We, I, I have to think, too, that like the, just the, the not knowing. you know, well, The players were in the dark for so long, and so I have to think that that probably played into what the product was on the, on the field. When, when it's such a nebulous situation and you don't know the details and you don't know if your head coach is coming back, like, go that's got to be tough. The conversation that we had with Omar Gonzalez, yeah. trying to understand the tone with which he gave us an answer when we asked about Bruce, it didn't seem like he was anticipating an imminent departure from Bruce. It was almost like we want this situation resolved so we can get the ship back on track. And suddenly, the head coach that's been doing so well for New England Revolution, for reasons, is gone. So it's, I don't know who's going to take the reins. Where's now. the investment in the club as well? Like, you know, New England, there were rumors. This happens a lot, but finally there seemed a little bit more solidified rumors that maybe there's a potential for a soccer-specific stadium mm -hmm. in, the, in the area. Uh, no longer, I mean, they're actively working. That's what I'm saying. These are a bit more solidified rumors. There seems to be a, a, a renewed investment in the club since they made the decision to bring in someone like Bruce Arena. Where do you go from here? Do you cut bait and say, you know what, we invested a lot, this didn't work, or do you go out and get someone like a, a Bob Bradley who's at no, 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 no. But I'm just mentioning, I'm saying not specific someone of the same ilk of a Bob Bradley who maybe managed a national team or is a big name, even just in America, do you go and do that? Do you, especially you, with the you players wait, you, you wait and see how the season ends. Richie Williams has an interim role. The only way he keeps this job is if not only do they get into the playoffs, because they are going to get into the playoffs, if they make a deep run and they compete, because the Revs need MLS Cup. And if this team doesn't continue to progress, because right now it's going down, then you have to look for a new manager that's going to inspire this this team and and this 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 town. This this New England needs something big mm -hmm. because they are on the verge of of you know getting a new stadium. That's going to be a game changer for New England. But you need to have some consistency in the club. And Bruce Arena, without him there, Kurt Anolfo has done a fantastic job of building the academy up, getting, you know, the right recruits. Uh, but now it, it, you have to get success on the pitch. And I'm not surprised that Bruce Arena ha had, had put in his resignation because it had gone so long. Hmm. I, I, that's not a shock to me at this point. But what we want to see from New England is 
towards the future, how do you get that MLS Cup trophy? And that's with the right leadership. We've seen that from the top down. Uh, they, need, they need to get one, get results. And, and if Richie Williams isn't the guy, how they do you have go, to get the right guy. How do you go after an MLS Cup trophy when you were already on the path towards an MLS Cup trophy, right? Well, you have to, you have to get F the right figured manager. Out again, yeah, it's, it's very difficult all of a sudden. It's just, it's also all of a sudden so, there's so many question marks. Even so many question from, marks. From the reports, from the statements, mm -hmm. it's still strange. Yeah. There's obviously more to the story. And you gotta wait till that comes out. Right. Yeah. 73 points in 2021, best regular oh, season ever. They mm. were incredible. They were such a force. To look to now. Uh, and and uh, Tomas Vatslik is the keeper that they brought in to replace Jorge Petrovic, 34 years old, played at Atletico Madrid, was a top keeper. Don't know where he's at, but they need a keeper. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this, because I think you're right, they probably will make the playoffs, but how this all plays out and if they can go on a run, it, there's so many question marks and the injuries. Glad you mentioned that. It's worth, worth noting. Um, on that note, we're going to take a break, but we are going to chat a weekend of MLS action when we return on the other side. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Handball given. It's fantastic. Quick restart. It's allowed by Alphon. Here comes Miami. Opportunity here. And it's in. Oh, my goodness. It's a 3-1 to game. In the vicinity, but that's intercepted by Bravo. The Timbers can come again now. And a touch by Evander. This is great football. And it's come all the way through for a brilliant finish by Claudio Bravo. Welcome back. Here's a look at the weekend of MLS results. Inter-Miami continue to roll 3-2 win over Sporting Kansas City. D.C. and San Jose end in a nil-nil draw. Minnesota United able to snatch a point in the dying seconds there against New England Revolution. That was a 1-1 draw. Portland Timbers get the 2-0 win over a struggling LAFC. And the LA Galaxy yesterday come back to secure a 2-2 draw against St. Louis City. Let's get into some of these highlights starting with Minnesota hosting New England. Oh, and you love this. Nacho Heel, he says, let me get it to my brother, Carlos Heel. Heel the heel. 
The Revs up 1-0 in the first half. This is the 38th minute, and you thought, okay, we got this. We're in the ninth minute. We're good. Look at Dane St. Clair is coming up for a corner kick. Oh, and then, oh gosh. Oh, what a Fragapane. Hey. Levels it. 1-1. Dane St. Clair getting the assist. The Canadian International. <laughs> what? This is this is when you go to the locker room, you're like, we lost. Wild scenes. And, uh, that's it a draw that so feels good. like a loss. Allianz went nuts, let me tell you. Um, all right, here's Portland hosting LAFC. Oh, this oh. was really bad. Yeah, th this is oh, one of those John things McCarthy. where M McCarthy, oh. LAFC needs to figure out their goals. I, I've been saying this from the very beginning. John McCarthy is a great backup. Yeah. But to have him in the net for this long, you're going to have those ups and downs and, and those mistakes. And Missing Portland with oh, this is that new coach bump. Because yeah. <laughs> you didn't see this from Portland for a long time. Now wow. there's, it looks like they're enjoying themselves and, and, and there's movement. That's a massive three point for Massive worrying at the moment. I know. They are not looking good at the moment. All right, this one was interesting. Galaxy hosting St. Louis City. St. Louis took the 2 0 lead in this one. They looked Starting like they were early. On a roll. Yes, they sure did. 28th minute now. And then Joao Klaus. Klaus. We've been missing him. We yeah, sure have. 2 0. But then Galaxy get going and they needed to. And it starts with this right here. Denneran goes from hero to handball. Mm -hmm. He also got a red card after this. Ricky Pooch bangs it. It's 2 1. Yeah. Red card for St. Louis. And then this is the equalizer. Great ball from Diego Fagundes, who is a, obviously wow. a, a mid-season trade. That's helped. Completely unmarked. Massive, massive. A, uh, Billy Sharp a heads it in. Very, very good come from behind to snag a point. Here we go. Enter Miami yeah. against Sporting Kansas City. Chaloui started out scoring. This was not great by Drake Callender. Shot from mid-distance. He spills it right in front of Chaloui. But Inter Miami responded the way that they needed to. First, Campana off of a penalty kick. And then this header. DeAndre Yedlin did a fantastic job to go away from his marker. And this and is the this controversy, is, This right? is the controversy. A conversation between an SKC player and the referee, but Busquets says, now let me have the ball, plays Farias into space, and that's clinical right there. And 3-1, that was enough. Alan Pulido got a goal back, and it made for a final and very exciting final, 12, 13, 14, mm -hmm. 15 minutes with added time. But Inter-Miami, at the end of the day, got it done. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Inter-Miami because we all said, without Messi, without eight other players that this could be the game that Inter-Miami concede yeah. points. Yeah. Not only lose, but just concede points. And SKC had been playing well. They had won their two previous games. They're looking to make a, a late playoff push. So when I looked at this game, when I spoke about it on Friday, I thought this this could be the game that ends that and when they scored first, were you like, I know. I was, hey, I, I can it. I tell you I was feeling <laughs> I was feeling myself a little bit. I was like, hmm, look at me. And then once again, completely proven wrong by Inter Miami. And it's interesting because you had spoke about the guys that were going to be important for Miami yeah. to, to step up and Leo Campana and Facundo Farias. And they did. And those were the, the two guys. So good on you for I love Farias that out. the way he plays. In Argentina, when Boca and River were going after Farias a couple years ago before he tore his ACL, they were saying that he was a Carlos Tevez-esque before he went to the Prem, before he became this big bulldoggedly kind of just go for the ball and type of player. And I see it. I see it because 
Tevez was very much like Farias, or Farias was very much like Tevez uh, to start when, when he was at Boca. He, that kind of just step on the ball, pass and go, uh, and quick, witty, and, and he creates. He, he offers a lot offensively to Inter Miami, and he's clinical. And not only Campana scoring, Dixon Arroyo's playing really well, uh, Farias spoke about him already, Yedlin was very involved. Busquets, I don't even have to mention Busquets because Busquets is the mind. But Inter-Miami got it done Ta-ta. really well. Unbeaten in 12. That's literally Unbeaten. I've been waiting. Give I'm the like, man. let him talk. Unbeaten this was Tata. Give the man his credit. This yep. is Tata. This I is, mean, incredible. This. And you mentioned DeAndre Yedlin when we talked about the game. I said his ability to get forward and free up Facundo Farias would be essential. And you saw it in real time. They were lethal from that side. I mean, Tata Martino... Tata Martino has figured out how to make this team click with or without Messi. And that is, that is to me, is essential to the success that they've had. Look I at mean, him DeAndre cook. Yedlin. He's cooking shallowly mm-hmm. right here. Oof. I mean, bodying him. And look at that nice, ball. Nice, lovely, and, and lovely ball in. They talked about Yedlin asking Jordi Alba on how to be more influential, how to have more success. Mm-hmm. And this ball is a Jordi Alba ball. That cross, which was sublime from Yedlin, He's always had the pace, mm-hmm. but that, that final ball from Yedlin has lacked throughout his career. If he had that in his locker, maybe he, he, just needed, he just needed a little conversation with Jordi Alba earlier in his career, but that was phenomenal. Just a little inspo. And, and, and that's what you get when you have world-class players come to your team mm. because it's not only what they do for themselves on the pitch to help the team, it's what they do for, for the others mm-hmm. and giving them the advice seeing them in training every day, what they can, how they can evolve. And it's not like DeAndre Yedlin's an 18-year-old kid. He's helping him develop at a later stage in his career, which is phenomenal. But again, you look at how they're playing, and, and Leo Campana, we've seen him up and down in his career with, in MLS so far. But this is a, a, the flexibility that Tata has, because without a Joseph Martinez... How can you get the most out of Leo Campana? Show what he can do. Mm-hmm. Hold up play, his runs. Now, t- the goalkeeper, Tim Melia, comes out and, and, and collides and into bad. him. And, and that was a big mistake from Tim Melia. Mm-hmm. Gives that penalty, and that got Inter-Miami going. That's what it feels like. Is if you give Inter-Miami an inch, oh. they'll take so much more. And that's the problem that MLS teams have faced you can't give them oxygen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teams have been giving oxygen. If Tim Melia, SKC were playing a good game, and Tim Melia came out just a split, not even a split second, like probably like a second and a half late. It, there's no need to come out, there's period. No, there's no, no need to, there, yeah. There's, there was no There's needs. no need to come out, that penalty kick, and then it just, the series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. But if you, look at, if you look at the Atlanta United that won, uh, it, that, that team, if once they got hot, they were like a swarm of wasps. They completely, they completely attacked any opportunity. I'm starting to see that out of this Miami. I'm starting to see that the moment they get an opportunity, they're going to go. And speaking of Leo Campana, with service, this guy looks great. Getting an opportunity, getting balls to him, to his feet or to his forehead in spots where he can score, he finds the back of the net. A, uh, a brace from him, absolutely impressive. I, I was another one who thought, at worst, this is a draw. At best, I should say, it's a draw. And that was, that was a master call. Come on, come on, Miller, too. Come on, With that man. massive block at the end of the game. He's a completely different player. Completely he's different been, player. He's, he's been Phenomenal. sensational. He's playing for a new contract. Not yeah. Yeah. He's playing for yeah. They are now only six points off the playoff line with two games 
in hand. They're on 28 points right now. I mean, at this point, I know, you know, even a week ago, we were like, oh, it still seems far-fetched they can do it. Now it's like, it almost feels like it's a certainty that this Miami team is going to find their way into the postseason. There's and a it's, lot of people who are... entirely A lot remarkable. of people who are going to regret those words. Mm-hmm. And it's just... <laughs> Inner Miami's taking it game by game. Yeah. They're not doing what we're all no, doing, no, no, which no. is projecting into the future. Because it's difficult not to with the way that this team is playing. And that win was impressive because we didn't expect it. Usually with Messi, we've been expecting Inter Miami to win. We weren't expecting that type of mm-hmm. performance, especially coming back from one goal down. Mm-hmm. That goal happened, and we were like, hmm, okay, yeah. let's see. Like, this and, they is respond- it. and they responded, man. They sure did. Wow. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are going to chat some Euro qualifiers with Anita Jones when we return. Don't go anywhere. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back, Euro 2024 qualifiers over the weekend. Here's a look at the notable results. Scotland get a 3-0 win over Cyprus. They are rolling. Ukraine and England end in a 1-1 draw. Italy only manages a 1-1 draw with North Macedonia. Kosovo 2-2 against Switzerland. Netherlands get the 2-1 win over Ireland. And Albania 2-0 over Poland. For more on some of these qualifiers, let's bring in now our good friend, Anita Jones. Anita, how was your weekend? Oh, Susanna, it's so lovely to see you. When someone gives you a greeting like that, you just, you know, brighten their day. I'm Aww. feeling very bright, like the colour I'm wearing. I love you. Gotta, you got to bring the good vibes on a Monday, you know? Start the week off right. 100%. <laughs> OK, so let's chat about England, who got the 1-1. One, one... so good vibes. Oh, you're good. About to do now. Listen, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. We got we to gotta get into it, though. Um, so a 1-1 one, one draw with Ukraine for England. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the lineup that Gareth Southgate put out for this one, because I was noticing on social media there were some people that maybe weren't um, in t- totally impressed with the starting 11 for this one. But what did you what did you make of that lineup and what did you make of the performance overall? Yeah, so it was interesting. Obviously, I spoke to you guys on Friday about how he's viewed and what his legacy could be, because there's rumours that he may not be with England beyond the Euros next year in Germany. Um, That game really put him under the fire in terms of selection, as you said there. Um, I think people were hoping to see something more progressive from him. He, I guess, has been associated with playing it safe. And I mentioned as well on that chat, we spoke about a couple of players who haven't really been playing much in the, uh, the Premier League or having club football. The most notable one is Harry Maguire, he had only 23 minutes of Premier League football under his belt. And that came in the game against Arsenal. He was he came off the bench. Um, and then Jordan Henderson, of course, made this move to the Saudi Pro League. So um, you question just the level of football he's getting week in, week out there. Um, and yeah, huge criticism because England are what a lot of people would say are going through another golden generation. You know, you look at the back line and going into this um this international break, there were challenges without a doubt. And Harry Maguire is someone that Southgate, from what he said, feels he can trust. But 
there were injury issues. So Tyrone Mings, unfortunately, got that ACL injury at the start of the new season. Uh, ben White um, and Southgate, we're not sure what's going on there. But of course, Ben White went to the World Cup and then came home earlier. So he's not in favour with the England setup at the moment. Then Connor Cody went down to the championship. And then, of course, you've got John Stones, who's out injured. Um, in terms of what he could have done at the back, a lot of people were talking about the likes of Levi Colwell from Chelsea and Lewis Dunk because the two of them played together at, for Brighton last season. So that could have been an option. But he decided to go for Harry Maguire, who is someone, as I said, he trusts. And then he brought in Mark Gahey, Crystal Palace's defender. Um, and really, it, it just didn't look like a fluid England. And they came out after the game saying that the, um, the creative and attacking players just couldn't really be creative or attacking in that final third. But um, Harry Kane came to the rescue with what was an incredible assist to, to help Carl Walker get his first goal in an England shirt. One of the points of criticism, you touched on Jordan Henderson, but it was more rather, from what I've read and what I've seen, that Jordan Henderson stayed on the field and Jude Bellingham, for example, got brought off, right? We've been really high on Jude since his move to... Real Madrid here on the show. We've been talking a lot about him. What's it been like in England about this young man that's wearing number 10 for England? Yeah, really exciting. You're, you're so right about that. The fact that Jude Bellingham came off, Saka came off, and um, the, the creativity, all of a sudden they lost it. And Henderson was playing quite high up the pitch. And you'd think, given the way those other players work, that they have that vision to create things that we've seen like Jude Bellingham has done uh, for Real Madrid so far, be it that he's setting players up or he's actually getting in the goal action. You thought maybe Gareth Southgate could have played on that and maybe had Declan Rice as the player that um, stayed back and provided that cover for, for the back line. But he went with Jordan Henderson and what you saw a lot of the time is he was getting high up the pitch and then making either sideways or backward passes, which wasn't progressing helping England progress forward to try and get more on the score sheet. So overall, like I said, we went into this conversation, it kind of was bad vibes because on paper, England should have won that. But um, I guess maybe the rationale for Gareth Southgate and his team selection was that this was one of the, the tougher games of this group and he wanted to go with tried and tested players without experimenting too much. Oh, that's... Hopefully tomorrow in a friendly against Scotland, we will see a more progressive starting eleven. It's ridiculous. That, that, I can just say, watching them play and seeing the team selection was was so disappointing. Mm. And a, a player like Eze, who I absolutely value, I love watching him play with Crystal Palace. That's a player who should be getting a chance versus this Ukraine side. Mm -hmm. You you can be more, uh, you can take more chances, more risks in a game like this because you have the quality. So you can be a little bit more expansive. And Harry Maguire is not playing. So how do you go from all right, let's move on from the players who uh, of old who have not been performing, not playing, to players, younger players who are playing in the Premier League who have shown quality. That, that just, that to me shows that he's not looking to the long term. He's not looking for the future. And, and that's concerning. Right. Yeah, Charlie, I think that that's the question people are raising. Like I said, we spoke about his legacy on the show on Friday and the fact that he helped raise the bar for England again. Prior to that, a lot of fans were kind of disillusioned with the team, but he brought this sense of unity where club rivalries were left at the door and you saw all of them just give, I guess, England fans a sense of pride. So maybe he's a bit of a victim of his own success and that he's 
raised the bar so high, but now he needs to continue with that potentially and start to really just let us see these young players flourish in an England shirt the way they do um, for their clubs. Let's talk about another manager that seems to be getting everything right in Steve Clark with Scotland. I mean, Scotland is absolutely on a high right now. He seems to be getting the absolute most out of these players, really, really been efficient uh, with the dead ball. Players like Scott McTominay seemingly have a rejuvenated sense of self out on the pitch. Talk to me a little bit about, is this real? Because there's so much recent heartache when it comes to these types of competitions with Scotland, but they seem to be absolutely riding a hot streak. Yeah, they're on the verge of qualification for the Euros, which would be incredible. They still have a 100% record uh, beating Cyprus at the weekend, 3-0. And you talk about Scott McTominay. He is just on fire when he puts on his national shirt. Um, and it's even got Man United fans questioning whether he's been used right for, for Eric Ten Hag's side because he's now got six goals to his name. That's the most, um, equaling the same number of goals as Rasmus Hoyland, uh, his Manchester United teammate, and then also Romelu Lukaku for Belgium. In terms of what Scott McTominay has said about playing for Scotland, he's actually said that the manager trusts him and gives him freedom to um, get close to the penalty box. Uh, a really, I guess, um, a role we don't see him play much with Manchester United. In fact, you look at their start to the season, they played four games. He's only come off the bench in two of them. The, the most recent loss, of course, against Arsenal, apparently he was unwell. So given the fact that Manchester United are going through some changes at the moment, both on and off the pitch, and they've got quite a few injuries, you wonder if Eric Ten Hag will start to rethink um, potentially bringing him back into the team, the starting eleven at least, and if he will give him more of that freedom to try help build the attack. Because Manchester United in midfield have not looked fluid at all so far. Something isn't quite right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anita Jones, you're the best. Thank you so much for the wonderful insight and for joining us on this Monday morning. I'm sure we will catch up with you very soon. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good rest of the week. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. We are going to chat uh, some NWSL Challenge Cup. We saw the final between the North Carolina Courage and Racing Louisville. We'll dive in after a break. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 